It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Did you know that God has referred to you in His Word as a gift for the Lord? I know we have the concept of receiving gifts, but have you ever entertained the thought that you become a gift to God and to others when God moves in your life? Well, it's a very amazing revelation that will lift you to a whole new level of living, I guarantee you, because it will give you a new perspective, a new outlook on your importance to God and your importance to other people. Now, that particular title for God's people, and that's what Discover Your Spiritual Identity is all about, the names and titles of the children of God. And that particular title is found in a very obscure passage of Scripture, Numbers chapter 18, verse 6. But it can be drawn out of that old covenant book from the Torah to be applied to our lives, and I'll show you why in just a moment. In Numbers 18, 6, God said, I have taken the Levites as a gift for the Lord. That's the King James Version of that passage. Now, we know that that title, Levites, means joint, because Levi's name, the head of that particular tribe, means joined, and the symbolism of it is that we are joined to God in a special priesthood covenant. See, God has referred to his new covenant people as a holy priesthood and a royal priesthood. And so in a spiritual sense, we qualify as Levites, those who are joined to God in a special covenant to minister to him and to represent him in this world. And that's verifiable by going to Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 21, because that passage of scripture launches us into the new covenant out of the old covenant prophetic word and refers to God's new covenant people as Levites. And so that's the basis of this revelation. If God has taken the Levites as a gift for the Lord that stretches from Numbers chapter 18 all the way up into the new covenant era, why don't you go ahead and confess. You ought to lift your hand unless you're driving and say, I am a gift for the Lord. Think of that. Ponder that for just a moment. There's profound implications. Now, let me share with you a dream that someone had of me quite a few years ago. It's probably been 35 or 40 years ago, and I trusted this particular person's prophetic gift. So I believed in the dream that she shared. She saw me in a setting that was very common to me back then. It was a very large tent, a tent that would seat about a thousand people or more. And I was standing on the platform. She said I was just glowing with the anointing, with the glory of God, beaming with a smile full of the joy of the Lord. 
and she heard the audible voice of God speak to me as I stood there on the platform. And it was a layered statement. What do I mean by that? God spoke two things at once. Now, God can do that if he chooses to. And one word was superimposed on the other. He said, be true to the gift God gave you. But the voice also said, be true to the gift God made you. And I believe the reason that they were blended together is because it was God's way of revealing that if he gives you a gift, you become that gift to other people. Whatever God gifts you with, you then become that same gift deposited in other people's lives. If, for instance, God gives you a gift of joy, then you become a source of joy, not only to God as you worship him, as you adore him, as you serve him, you fill the heart of God with joy, but you become a source of joy to other people. Isn't that an amazing way of looking at your position in the kingdom of God? Now let's go further with this because if we need to be true to the gift God gave us, then we need to discover the gifts God has given us so that we can be true, be faithful to manifest those gifts. And I'm going to start in a very natural sense. Let's go to two verses of scripture out of Ecclesiastes. And I think it's important to include this. Ecclesiastes 5.19 says, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, and listen, by the world standards, people in the United States of America are wealthy, even if they're on the lower level and don't have very much financially or materially. But as for everyone to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. What does it mean to rejoice in your labor? Well, the complete Jewish Bible says it's to find pleasure in your work. Now, you may work a job that is just a very mundane task that you repeat over and over again, but you can find joy in your work if you realize that you're an answer to someone's problem. You're a solution to someone's difficulty. And what you are doing is serving others. Maybe you think it's just a necessary thing to get enough money to pay your bills, but bump up to the next level and see, no, I can rejoice in my labor because work is honorable. And this realm is a realm of work. When God moves here, it's called a work of God. Even when Satan moves here, it's called a work of Satan. When fleshly people uh, manifest carnal attitudes, it's called a work of the flesh. This world is a place of work. And we find fulfillment and contentment when we rejoice in our labor, when we find pleasure in our work. And this is the gift of God to have this mindset, to have an opportunity to work, and to find pleasure in our work. It's a double gift. Let's go to the next one. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 12 and 13 says it this way. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice. And it's talking about all of God's people. And to do good in their lives. And also that every man 
and woman should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. So not only is it a gift from God to have an opportunity to work and to find pleasure in your work, but to reap the benefits of your work. Well, you may say, God doesn't give me my paycheck. Well, indirectly he does. He's provided for you by providing an opportunity where you can invest your time, invest your life, and receive a benefit as a result. That's the blessing of God, whether we recognize it as coming from God or not. And it is the gift of God to reap good out of that, because then we can take that paycheck and sow it into things that have great value. In fact, you are building New Jerusalem with every tithe that you put in the church basket or every offering that you give. You are investing in the outreach of the gospel and sowing the kingdom and its message into people's lives. You're helping to build the eternal city of God just by working at a job and giving your tithe, it bumps it up from a temporal blessing to an eternal blessing. And not only are you blessing the work of God, God's going to reward you as a result. So it's the gift of God. It's a full circle of blessing. And I think we need to recognize that and it'll bring more fulfillment into your life. Now let's bump up to the next level of spiritual gifts. And James chapter one, verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And so God is depicted there as the great gift giver. It's his nature to give gifts. It's his joy to give gifts. It's his passion to give gifts. And I think sometime we think we have to beg and plead and grovel in the dust with self-imposed uh, humiliation in order to somehow earn the gifts of God. But gifts are freely given as expressions of love. And if you sincerely love God, God sincerely loves you back and wants to gift you as a result. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. Well, what are those good and perfect gifts? First, it's a gift of the ability to access the presence of God and effectively worship God. Do you remember the story of the woman at the well where Jesus first said, give me to drink? And the woman was surprised and said, how is it that you being a Jew would ask drink of me who am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Listen to what Jesus said to her that day. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. And he said, that water will be in you, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Well, what is this well of living water? I've often said that just as natural water has two elements, and that's hydrogen and oxygen, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, fused together, it becomes a liquid from two gases, quite a mystery. 
even to scientists. Well, in like manner, spiritual water, living water, is made up of two spiritual elements. I call it word to spirit, not H2O, but word to spirit. Two parts word, that's Old Testament and New Testament, and one part spirit because the Holy Spirit inspired both. And when you have the word and the spirit pouring into you, it satisfies your thirst for God, but then it changes its circuit and flows back out of you toward God in the form of worship and toward others in shared revelation and shared understanding concerning the will of God and the way to live this life. That's what the word of God does for us. It teaches us how to live and then it impacts the world around us because we become living examples, living epistles, examples of the word anointed by the spirit. That's what Christian means. Christian is drawn from Christ and Christ means anointed one. So Christians are anointed to represent God's word in this world. Isn't that fabulous? Praise God. So let's go to some specific gifts now that God has given you, because again, God is a gift giver. The standby scripture that every Christian quotes often is John chapter 3, verse 16, uh, that very plainly says, God so loved the world that he gave. Stop right there. God so loved that he gave, because loving and giving go together as far as God's concerned. If you love, you'll give. And so God has given the best that he can give to us. And if we love, we will give back to God and to others as well. What did God give? A solar system he didn't really need, a sun in his vast universe he could part with. No, he didn't give something that was inconsequential or unimportant. He gave the most important, most precious gift that he could possibly give. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so a gift really means something when there's sacrifice behind it. And all the gifts I'm about to list have the sacrifice of the Savior on the cross in the background because it was that purchase price that supplied these treasures to you and I. And it should make us appreciate them all the more. Amen. Well, let's go to Psalm 68, verse 18 in the King James Version, because I like the wording in the King James. It really communicates what I'd like to share. It's actually a prophecy of the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ into heaven. And it says, thou hast ascended on high, thou hast led captivity captive, thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. So bad people can get saved and get showered with gifts. Wicked people can repent and be delivered and be showered with gifts from heaven because that was why Jesus ascended. Thou hast ascended on high. You've led captivity captive, meaning he captivated anything that could potentially captivate any human being. He brought it under his dominion. Thou hast received gifts for men, and most liberators get showered with gifts themselves from the grateful masses. But this liberator received gifts just so he could have the pure joy 
of giving them away to us. Isn't that amazing? Yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. And so the gifts God has given enable him to dwell among us in various manifestations. What's the first gift God gave you? The Puritan forefathers called it the gift of tears. The gift of tears. It's the ability to repent for the wrongdoings of your past. Where do I get that? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 and 25 says, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those who oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the, acknowledge, to the acknowledging of the truth. And so you have to receive the gift of repentance to be able to actually feel sorry for your sins and to truly have remorse to the degree where you turn away from that life. That's what real repentance is. And repentance, it's not something you can attribute to your own goodness. It comes from God. He sends the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's called godly sorrow. And God enables you to break your heart in repentance before him so that he can repair it and make it whole. Praise God. And then following repentance comes John 14, 27. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you, but he said, my peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. And so in the midst of all the chaos and confusion and the craziness that's happening in our generation, you can still have peace, but it's not human peace alone. It's not soulish peace that you muster within yourself. It's God's peace because he's referred to as the God of peace, the Prince of Peace. In the Hebrew, that's Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace who comes to reign in your life and you can be at peace in the worst of circumstances. Next is joy, the gift of joy. My wife Elizabeth has that gift. She has the amazing ability to be joyful even when sad things are happening all around. And that comes with a choice, but it also comes as a gift. And I believe God's given her that gift. In John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. That's a gift from God. Receive it, rejoice over it, claim it, and manifest it. Then God has gifted you with his word in the great intercessory prayer of Jesus that he prayed for the church in John chapter 17. He said, Father, I have given them, speaking of his disciples, I have given to them the words which you gave me, and they have received them. So the revelation of God's word is a gift. No one can understand the word of God unless God gifts you with the ability of understanding. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of understanding. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he unveils the meaning of God's word, which is a gift to you. It's a guide through this life, a lamp to your feet, a light to your path. Thank God for the gift of his word. There's so many millions in the world that have never read God's word, and we owe a debt to them. 
then not only is that a gift revealed in John chapter 17, but Jesus also said in that prayer, the glory which you have given me, I have given them. Speaking of his disciples, what is the glory? It's the manifest presence of God. It's the greatness of his destiny. And our future is intertwined with his future. It's the greatness of our destiny too. A new creation and ruling and reigning with him. It's the glory that he's poured out on us. The greatness of his character. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the perfection of the character of the Almighty. He's poured that into you and he's shaping you and molding you into his character. That's what he meant when he gifted you with his glory. So much more could be said on that. But then Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So salvation is a gift deliverance from sin, deliverance from the lower nature, deliverance from the world, deliverance from eternal separation from God. Think of that. Salvation is a gift. And not only salvation, but the faith that enables you to believe God to save you is a gift. By grace, you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. See, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He gifts us with the ability to believe. If you have anything to thank God for, that should fill our hearts with rejoicing. Then Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 says, unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And grace is not only unmerited love, grace is divinely imparted ability that gives you the ability to be what God's called you to be, the ability to do what God has called you to do. In fact, Paul said that he was an apostle by the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. He said, I labored more abundantly than all the other apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So grace is a gift and it's measured out to each one of us. Praise God. Righteousness is a gift. This is most amazing. You find that in Romans 5, 17 that says, if we receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. That's the righteousness of God. That's the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, standing just as righteous in God's presence as the firstborn son himself. That comes not by human effort, but as a gift from God, Romans 5, 17. And if you receive the gift of righteousness, the Bible said you reign in life, R-E-I-G-N. Let's go to the next one. Oh, I love this. Acts 2.38, to the crowd that listened to Peter's first sermon, he said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you are of all people in this world most gifted. And if everything else falls apart in your life, but the Holy Spirit is with you, you can shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You are gifted, the personal presence of God. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's like the camels that Abraham's servant had that bore all manner of gifts for Rebekah. Uh, because 
when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes not only as a gift, but bearing gifts. And I could list them. They're found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one to profit uh, for all. And it said to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit to another, the word of knowledge, and that's supernatural wisdom, supernatural knowledge. The word of knowledge is knowing certain things about a person's life supernaturally that you never could have known another way. Or the word of wisdom is knowing something about a person's situation and having exactly the right counsel for them, and it comes from God. And then to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. These are the nine supernatural gifts the Holy Spirit brings with him. And the Bible says in verse 11 that he distributes those severally as he wills. So every spirit-filled believer should have several of the gifts manifesting in his or her life. But the greatest gift of all can be found in Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm going to live forever. You're going to live forever. Again, that overshadows, or I should say it differently, that blazes like a sun to push back the shadows of life. The realization, the revelation that I have the gift of eternal life, that you have the gift of eternal life, I don't care what happens, what kind of persecution or upset or disappointment or discouragement comes into our lives, we're going to live forever and we can rejoice over that. It's a gift. It's a gift. Now, you have received all of these gifts, once again, to become a gift. And Jesus indicated that in John chapter 6, verse 39. He said, this is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. So not only is Jesus the gift of the Father to you, you are the gift of the Father to him. The bride and the bridegroom are gifts to each other. See yourself that way. Now let me go back to the original verse and then I'm going to close. He said, I, behold, I have taken your brethren, the Levites, those who are joined to God in a special priestly covenant. I've taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. To you they are given as a gift for the Lord. See yourself that way. You're a gift to him and you're a gift to others for his sake. And how shall I conclude these words the same way Paul did in 2 Corinthians 9.15. He just couldn't find words to express himself. He was so overjoyed over what God had done in his life. And he just came to a place where he had to just burst out with praise. And he said, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. In other words, it's a gift so radically wonderful, there's no words that could ever describe it. You are blessed of God indeed. Think about that all month long.
Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shreve, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.